Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. This week, we're hopping into Easter with a discussion of our favorite Easter holiday traditions. And as we tend to do for every holiday these days, take a look at a Hallmark film <laughs> related to it. We're going to look at Hallmark's 2019 film, Easter Under Wraps. But first, let's crack into Cozy in the News. In Cozy Easter News, Cadbury Chocolates has started this program called Worldwide Hide, which involves hiding a virtual Easter egg anywhere in the world for a loved one to find. So basically, you go to their site, and it's free, and then you go and like go to their map, drop in an egg anywhere, make a clue... And then send it to that person for them to find the egg. Now, if you are in the UK, you can also pay for a real Cadbury cream egg to be delivered to that person once they find the virtual egg. But that's only available to people who live in the UK. Unfortunately, I know because I tried. (laughs) But I actually sent one to Jillian. Yes. And and I was hunting because um, Matt sent me the link for the episode. And it was really fun because you're in this live map. And you have, you get a hint about where the egg is, and then you're then you when you decide what city you're to be searching in, you're it's like a Google Maps. You're on the streets, and so Matt hid my egg in Baltimore. Oh, did you find uh, it? Well, here's the thing, <laughs> because well, first off, I want to say that I for some reason I thought you hid the egg in London because they they show the streets, and for some reason I guess Baltimore streets look like. <laughs> Once so I was in London, they're like, oh, no, you're thousands of miles away because they have this um, this tracker, which is like a little Cadbury egg on top. And it says how many meters you're away. I think mm. it's meters. And so when you get closer, obviously, the meters, they, it goes down. So, OK, well, I'm not in London. And then I thought, OK, where else would he hide it? And I thought of Baltimore. So it dropped me off in a random street in Baltimore. That's very fun and nostalgic because. You know, when you haven't lived in a city in a while, you're kind of saying you're disoriented, especially since the updated images show new restaurants and stores. So I was going through all these streets and then I was having nice memory memories of, you know, us and hanging out in Baltimore. So it was really fun and sweet. So I'm at the I'm very close. I'm 590 meters away and I in front of my old apartment building. But I can't find this egg because when I go <laughs> I, when I go down further down East Street Street, which is the street I used to live on, the meters go up. If you still haven't f- discovered this egg by the time this episode releases, I'm going to post it in the Facebook group, and we're going to see if listeners can find it before you. Oh man, is it okay? I have to ask you a question. So, is it? Do you can you drop it anywhere? Can you hide it within the image? You can drop it anywhere and you have control over where it is on the street view. Now, it oh. has to be visible on the street view and it's quite large. Oh, it's quite large. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was looking for a little egg. <laughs> no, it's pretty big. So you'll see it. It's like it's about like it's like the size of a house almost, I oh would say. Oh, my God. Okay, it's smaller well. than that, but it's pretty large. It's, it's not like a little itty bitty egg on the street. OK, well, the hunt is on. The hunt is on. We will see if Jillian can find it by the time this episode releases on Sunday. And if she doesn't, we're going to see who can find it first. Maybe a listener can. Either way, I'll I'll share it on our Facebook group. See if you can find it yourself. There's a clue in there that is related to the show. It's really cute. I I think it's so such a cool find. I mean, I think it's a great idea for, you know, obviously it's promotional, but like the 
the fact is like we're still distancing we're still separate in a lot of places and i like this kind of virtual acont opportunity it's really cozy Mm -hmm. yeah especially when you know you're i love that you hit it in in baltimore instead of la it's a nice a nice throwback going down the streets searching for my little egg (laughs) (laughs) hopefully i find it but yeah uh my cozy in the news is a new holiday i don't know how to describe this a new holiday tradition perhaps for families oh we'll see maybe it's it's a bold prediction it's a peep on a perch (laughs) (laughs) i i I kind of can see where you're going with this it's like elf on a shelf yes so it's not actually a candy peep that you can eat it's a plush toy and it's just it comes with a book and a little storybook and you can hide your peep plush around the house and the peep quote unquote spies on on your children um i'll put it for my partner (laughs) spy on her um and so you have to be the peep you know checks in with the kids make sure they're doing everything right because the peep is the one who's helping the easter bunny decorate the eggs and fill in the baskets and making sure they're on their best behavior and I, I thought it was, you know, cute because I think that Pete Blush is super cute. But then, and I also thought to myself, I'm like, wait, where does this end? Because, you know, April Fools, we're going to fool on a stool. Are we going to have St. <laughs> Patrick's Jillian, Day? Jillian, copyright that now. <laughs> Imp on a blimp. Like, what, where does it end? <laughs> what is that holiday for? St. Patrick's Day. Oh, okay. I got it. Where, you know, where does this, where does this end? Because the whole elf on the shelf, you know, people feel mixed about it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's here to stay, right? Peep on a perch. Do we need it? Yes or no? That's once again to be determined, but it's reasonable. Need is a strong word. <laughs> but yeah, I just think that if you start doing this, it's just an, you know, avalanche effect. You know, what, what's next? Like I said, fool on a stool. We don't know. What other fictional cute things can we create, use to create a surveillance state for our children? (laughs) It's a cute plush. I'll be, I'll defend it. I actually, in in a way that a peep is cute and it's like melting globulous way. Yes. The article from Delish made a point to say, you're not getting the actual edible peeps. Cause I'm sure people will be like writing in furious emails. Where's my peep? You know, uh, but it's it's not the real peep that you can eat. It's just the plush toy. But that's a cozy related news item. Uh, just, you know, if you're interested, if you love Elf on the Shelf and you want to extend it to Easter, get peep on a perch. What is the punishment if you're bad around Easter and the peep views that, like sees that? Do you not get an Easter basket? I think they're probably, I think most parents go by the parenting that my parents did, which is like, we, we, you're going to pretend you're going to get consequences, but you're actually not. <laughs> like, <we pretend. laughs> I'm, I'm um, just wondering because like the Easter bunny already makes children work so hard for their treats. They have to go searching oh, yeah. on their own for these eggs. And now we have this peep who's gatekeeping even, <laughs> even the, the, the egg hiding. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. The delish article, the, the, the role that they described at the peep is kind of, yeah, it's funny. It says the Easter peep's job is to assist the Easter bunny every year by decorating eggs and filling baskets and seeing all the acts of kindness a child does in the days and weeks leading up to Easter. If a child behaves well, the Easter peep will tell the Easter bunny to ensure they get all the best gifts. You know, and treat. one way to stop a peep from squealing is to eat it. <laughs> that Easter bunny's never going to know a thing because that peep is going to be. <laughs> 
in that child's stomach. This really should have been an edible thing because all the kids are going to try to eat That's it true. just so that peep doesn't tattle. <laughs> I want to read the book now, Peep on a Perch. My interest, I, I, my interest is peaked for sure. It's peeped. Yeah. So yeah, um, <laughs> keep it. Keep your eye out for fool on a stool. Keep your peepers uh, popped for peep on a perch. Well, that was some very um, branded cozy news for you related to Easter. Yeah. Let's uh, turn our attention to some true Easter treats and traditions that we ourselves celebrate. Jillian, what did you look into or what did you um, want to highlight um, are things you enjoy doing around Easter time? Well, like many, I enjoy dyeing a good egg. Uh, this year, I decided to go for some natural dyes because when I was reaching, researching for this episode, I was thinking, okay, yeah, I'm going to go outside the box. I'm going to try something really different, unique, creative. And I saw this really one cool idea from Martha Stewart where you make uh, these blue, these beautiful designed eggs using blue nail polish. But then I thought to myself, I like to eat my eggs. Would it be safe to eat a nail polish egg? And the article said, don't. Yeah, that so, sounds dicey. Dicey. And then I thought to myself, am I really going to be sitting there, you know, on a busy day, inhaling fumes, trying to make these <laughs> beautifully decorated eggs with nail polish? Probably not. So then that got me thinking, you know, I never really experimented with natural dyes. So I decided to do that. And I looked on this one list of all recipes and they had all of the different natural dyes you can do. So for example, shredded beets is one natural dye. Yellow onion skins, which I never thought about. I always have so many onion skins falling around, <laughs> chopping onions. I should be, I should have been collecting them this whole time. So I have that, and then then uh, turmeric is one. Chili powder, red cabbage, spinach, which I never really have thought about, and then grape juice, blueberry juice. At first, when I saw the grape and blueberry juice, I, I legitimately thought I would have to be juicing my blueberries. <laughs> Um, that wasn't the case. It's actually like juicy buy at the store and then brewed coffee. So that makes hmm. sense. Yeah. So I it took what I had. I had brewed coffee that I didn't drink. So that was one item I had around the house. I had spinach. So I used that. Turmeric was my other one. And I believe that was it. So that's the only thing I had around the house. Oh, and then chili powder. So I was really excited. It all worked out. To do that, you have to boil water, put in your coloring agent. So in my case, let's say I use a turmeric and you put uh, three tablespoons. You then bring it to a simmer. You let it sit for 30 minutes. Then once it's simmered enough, you cool it for about two to three hours. So it does take some time. It's a little time intensive. And then you add two tablespoons of white vinegar and you drop in your little eggs in your jar and you put in the refrigerator and you leave it overnight. And then when you wake up in the morning, you have your dyed egg. Probably not the best thing if you have kids because I don't think that's very fun. Be like, hey, kids, let's drop our Yeah, it's a very slow in the, process. In, in the mason jar. <laughs> like, you know, you want <laughs> it, it. It's got to be a mason jar if it's a natural dye. <laughs> yeah, you want, you know, that's not really, you know, you want to go to CVS and get your, you know, toxic um, little kits. And, uh, and I fully support that. And I think that's, that's a rite of passage. But for me, I was like, okay, let's try, try, something, try something new. And I was very excited. It's like, well, this is going so well. Well, when I got all my dyes ready, and it's, like I said, very extensive process, I opened my little egg curtain and 
I realized that my eggs were brown. So you can't you can't dye brown eggs. The the dye is not going to show up. I didn't think to myself, oh, let me get the white eggs. <laughs> If you are not using natural dyes, there are colors that will take to brown shelled eggs. Now, of course, you know, they're, they are not the blank canvas of a white egg. But you can yeah. still dye them. But I do imagine in a natural dye situation, that's going to be very difficult to make a color pop. Yeah, well, when I woke up, uh, <laughs> I, I, checked, I checked my mason jars. The coffee surprisingly it did pretty well it, it didn't i would say stick as well as the other coloring agents i could kind of rub off the, the so is the brown sheen. egg browner with the coffee yes it's actually okay. <laughs> it was a dark brown to clarify and then the turmeric that was i think the best coloring agent i mean you can't mess around with that like that's that's you're gonna get dyed stuff <laughs> that dyes everything and so that was a, a very nice orange yellowy color so that worked out um, for the spinach, not so much. That was basically just, okay, I s had my normal egg in the fridge in a mason jar for two hours, and I took it out. It looks exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> now it just has been soaking in spinach. <laughs> soaking in spinach. Oh, yeah, I forgot that one part. You have to strain your, after you simmer it for 30 minutes, you strain it before you put it in the mason jar to sit and cool for two hours. It's a very important part. You don't actually want to have your, you know, you, you want it to be strange. You want it to be sitting with the spinach. That's very gross and not necessary. So it didn't work out, you know, perfectly, but I think it was really cool to try out this experiment. If I had white eggs, I think it would have went beautifully. I would have loved to have tried the, the onion peels and the, you know, beets and all that good stuff. And I, maybe I'll do that next year, but I'll still show a picture. It came out okay. It's, my eggs are very 70s, all oranges and browns. So, you know. It was fun. It just that that level of, you know, well, I, my heart sunk when I saw my brown eggs. I'm like, okay, this is a curveball. I didn't predict. Um, I should have predicted it, but I didn't. And we'll see how this goes. But I tried. Any listeners who are inspired can try out their own natural dye, preferably on a white egg, <laughs> and let us know how it goes. Yeah. For my money... You know, Paz Dye, that company only has one thing going for it. So I feel like I want to support <laughs> them in the one purchase I make for them a year um, yeah. from my local pharmacy or grocery store. But I've also just used basic food coloring for dye before as well. One thing I have used recently, and I think actually one of, it was one of the first photos I posted for our podcast was dyeing eggs in kind of that marbled fashion where you, mm. you just take a... Um, a plastic baggie and you sprinkle in some food coloring and some water, just a little bit like sprinkles. And then you just kind of mush it up and you basically create like a tie dye effect, like a marbled effect. It's pretty, cool. pretty good. The only thing I don't like about it is that like when you do it that way, the dye is pretty concentrated. And so you get that kind of situation where like, it's really, you know, seeped in, in parts of the egg. And so when you actually go to eat it, it's like, wow, this is a really green, splotchy egg and almost feels like you can taste the, the food dye. Yeah. It's always a little dicey when you dye eggs and you want to eat them the next day. Yeah. I always do. Yeah. Was there any flavor difference when you're using natural dyes? Like, did you taste the spinach? I, 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 yeah. I, I know I had the spinach. I had the coffee. I didn't didn't taste 
for some reason, maybe just the natural dyes, it made the peel of the egg really hard. There's nothing more I hate than when a peeled egg gets screwed up. You know, like you just can't <laughs> peel that egg. You ever been there? Like, We've all been there. It makes me so mad. I just want to slide right off and I want to eat my delicious egg. And then, 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 then you know, it starts to get dented and you're peeling layers off and it looks gross. Like, I'll, I'll share, I'll share pictures because it's something I was really excited about. So it's kind of bummed about the brown eggs, but um, at least I tried. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that browner egg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well... After you've naturally dyed your eggs, one thing you can also try out and is fun for the whole family is to make a lamb cake. Mm-hmm. This is something that my family um, has always done for Easter. And it's not special in terms of the cake itself regarding the style of cake or the flavor. The joy here is the fact that it is shaped like a lamb and you decorate the lamb. That's really it. It's just like a cute mold you use. So... Um, to take you through the journey of making a lamb cake if you want to try that this year. First of all, the actual cake itself. So to picture it, it is a lamb that is laying down on its, you know, its, its little legs are folded in and its, its neck is straight up and it's looking out. And so it looks like a realistic lamb. It depends on the mold you get. But the one I get, like the one I use is like, it's, you know, as far as like a cake <laughs> replica goes, <laughs> a pretty realistic looking lamb shape. And the thing is, is when you're baking a cake that has to have that kind of structure, insofar as that there's a head on a neck and there are these little Mm. ears that are coming out that are narrow, you have to use a pretty um, dense, well-structured cake to support the height on that. The lamb cake we make, and I think most recipes call for this, is to make it as a pound cake because you're going to get that density you need to support the cake structure. I have been striving to see how much I can make a fluffier lamb cake Um, because I don't know if it's a a factor of the mold being compacted and quite tight or if it's just the nature of a pound cake, but it's pretty dense, right? So typically I make a lemon pound cake, but I've also done chocolate. That's another way to go. Anything you want to do in the pound cake territory. (laughs) I'm not even going to go into it because... Honestly, most years I just make the recipe that's on the on the cake mix box. <laughs> so it's oh, like, so they have a lamb cake recipe on the. Box. Oh no, it's just a pound cake. You just buy oh. the, buy the mix at your supermarket for a pound cake. Oh okay, that you makes know. sense. You like can you also said, just you know do it scratch. It's very simple. Also really simple with flour and butter and all that of the basic stuff. Once you have that, I think the real thing that I enjoy about the flavor is the we. I typically will make a cream cheese frosting. Mm. So and that's also that's really simple to make. I I, I make that. Um, on my own um you just mix together cream cheese butter vanilla and powdered sugar and you then you are you have this delicious cream cheese frosting the real key here is the lamb cake mold the most widely available one that's going to make your cake in the shape of a of a laying lamb is the nordic wear aluminum mold and that's the one i have currently but if you really want to score some vintage points and go for the grandma factor I uh, challenge you to find a cast iron lamb mold. Um, Those are quite rare these days, but that's what the grandmas used to use. Okay, so if you you want to go for (laughs) that vintage factor, find some of those cast iron molds that were all the rage. And then I think the the most fun thing, though, is like you you bake the cake in the lamb mold. I will tie string around it. Uh, So it's, it's two halves, right? You pour the batter up to like basically the lip of one half. And, not, and I don't actually not the lip, but like 
in most molds, you'll, it'll start to curve outward where it's going to end up meeting the other half of the mold. You stop there. So it almost ends up being like four-fifths, three-fourths of the way up on, on one half of the mold. And then you just like put the other half of the mold on top of that. The, the, the cake is going to rise and fill in the rest of the mold. You tie that together with some string that's safe for an oven. And um, so just so it's tight, just because sometimes, you know, you don't want the, um, the lifting of the cake to then detach the other half of the mold. That's an, that will be a very ugly lamb. <laughs> it's not going to come out right. <laughs> and so uh, you, you bake it. You, there is a flip element of it. So like halfway through the bake, you will flip it just so that like it bakes all the way through and that it's even. It comes out. This is, this is the delicate part of the process. So now your lamb cake's out. It's baked in there. If you want to know if your lamb is, is ready, you know, stick a toothpick. There's usually um, a, a part in the mold that will allow you to uh, stick a little toothpick in there. And if you're coming out with any kind of moistness or wetness, it, it needs to bake longer, right? You want it to come out like a, a dry toothpick coming out of that um, so you know it's baked all the way through. Anyway, so once the, the cake is out of the oven, this is the tricky part. You have to detach both halves of the lamb cake mold. The first half, it, it, you just want to be very careful because if you take it off too fast, if, you're not, if you don't handle it gingerly, you risk tearing off full portions of this lamb. You do not want to rip the lamb's face off. No. I've done it before. It's not good. You're going to have to cover up a lot of, you use a lot of frosting <laughs> to reshape the face. Were you devastated when that happened? Yeah, it was devastating. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so you pry off that first one so carefully. I use a really um, advanced tool for this process called a butter knife, <laughs> typically, <laughs> where I am just like carefully just slotting that in and just like kind of just like using it as a lever and just sort of around the edge, just slowly prying it off. Not a lot, just little by little all around until I really can feel like I've evenly loosened it up so that I'm not lifting from one side and tearing it off on the other. That's the trick there. You want to make sure it's all kind of evenly off the edge of the lamb. Then you mm -hmm. take that first half off. And now what you want to do is stand it with the other half still on, like get it on your platter and then take the second half off the, like, I usually, I don't know why, but I'll take the, the face off first and the butt will come off second. <laughs> and then um, that, it, that will be kind of like shimmied off the lamb <laughs> when it's on the platter. So now I have my lamb cake standing up on a platter. Um, it's time to let it cool. You do not want to apply. This is what you see in Nailed It all the time. And, and, and that's why everyone's cake looks disgusting. When you apply frosting to a hot cake... <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be melty and, and really bad looking. So just wait for it to cool, totally cool. Give yourself all that time, several hours. Then once it's cool and you have your frosting ready, then, it's, then what you want to do is, this is the fun part for me, is to decorate your lamb. And this is where you can get creative. You know, the classic way that I typically decorate a lamb cake is you get, um, I'll use a, a piping bag. And actually, my husband's gotten really good at this. I actually make him do it now because he's better at it than I am because he's very patient. What we've found works is like, you know, using a piping bag to, to kind of have that like patterned um, wool texture. So you just go all around the edge of the lamb, doing that with the piping bag, making the wool texture with the, with the um, cream cheese frosting. And with the face, we smooth that out. And we'll put either sometimes we'll do... Um, dye to kind of like put in eyes and a mouth. I did like a, a face mask last year, which felt cute, but then, hmm. you know, 
a year later. Not so cute. I'm tired of that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, what a funny thing. You know, back then. then I was like, oh, what a two week uh, <laughs> COVID vacation. It's nope. wild. So, but you, you can, you can put a mask on your lamb if you want to, um, or you can decorate any, any which way you want. Sometimes also my grandma used to put, like cut a jelly bean in half, which is trickier than it sounds. And then use those as the eyes. Oh, that's a cute idea. Yeah. So once you've, you've uh, decorated your lamb cake is done and it's cooled and you have delicious frosting on it and it's ready to serve. I've also usually have it sitting on, on the platter. I'll dye in some green food dye, um, coconut shavings. And shredded coconut, rather. And then, so that's like the Easter grass. And then I'll put in some jelly beans. I was like, I, I guess the lamb laid an egg, too, while it was at it. <laughs> and that is, that, is a, that is a long yarn, but that is the journey toward how I typically approach decorating a lamb cake. And I think it's a really fun thing to do for everybody. Like, they're just like, there are lots of different steps. And I think if you have kids, too, like really enlisting them to decorate the cake itself and make the lamb their own, there's a lot of creativity that can be... Um, manifested when you have a lamb as your canvas as a cake. I really respect the artistry in the process. You describing this. I mean, I was just every time I mean, I've known you for a long time now, so I'm very well versed in your lamb cakes and you know, how much, how much you enjoy doing them. And, but every time you describe the process, I'm more and more impressed because I just can't imagine myself constructing a lamb cake because it is a lot of work and you a lot of prep and you have to make sure that you have the consistency right because like you said if it's too soft then or fluffy it's going to fall apart or the face will come off and so yeah I mean yeah I'm just continually impressed at the at the level of prep and attention to detail that you put in this cake it's always so well worth it I every time you post a photo it's it's like a tradition. I mean, obviously it's your tradition, but it's now my tradition to look at the photo. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm ready to kind of keep. I want to keep pushing the boundary of how like fluffy and um. I I, I want to see if I can maybe even depart from the pound cake mm. element. I'm just nervous because I know that it provides so much structural support. Yeah, but it's tough. I also know that I feel like I'm the only one who enjoys eating it. <laughs> well, maybe you can saw me off a leg or something and yeah. deliver it. I I mean I don't mind a dense cake. But uh, I think I think most people prefer like a nice fluffy, moist cake. So not that it's yeah. not moist, but it's like you know it's a pound cake. But I think like even by pound cake standards, and this is why I, th- I think the unusual shape of the mold kind of really makes it even denser factors in. So maybe it's a matter of even just maybe even using less batter. But then you risk maybe not having the the cake rise to the full. Mm. Uh, mold shape so there's a lot of science involved that I, I, I still want to figure out and really perfect but that's what I love about doing the lamb cake every year is every year I do it a little bit differently and I push what I do a bit differently and it's a craft mm. that I feel like we've started in our family <laughs> since with my yeah. grandma and my mom and and now I am doing this lamb thing every year so here we are well your lamb cakes are always so beautiful and sweet and cute and I can't wait to say this year's lamb cake that's a lot of pressure (laughs) i think yeah we'll see we'll see what kind of lamb i make this year i haven't really even decided yet myself well i think the the most fun part about it is like you said the decoration the scene you set so maybe get more creative with your scenes since you can't really experiment with the base and yeah we'll see yeah we'll see I'll, I'll, i'll post a photo when i'm done with it so my other tradition that i like to do and speaking like you mentioned of family traditions my mom always makes these little cute chick cupcakes. I don't know if I've ever talked about them before. I don't, I was trying to think if I ever have, and I don't believe I did, but they are just these really simple 
cute cupcakes. Doesn't matter what you want your base to be if you want to have chocolate, chocolate cupcakes or vanilla. I think vanilla works better for the decorations. So just, you know, make a simple vanilla cupcake and then you use white frosting and you have this sanding sugar. Actually, I have it in front of me right now. Green sanding sugar, which is your grass. Then you add a little peep. It's hard to describe these peeps. They're not the marshmallow peeps. They're these pipe cleaner peeps. <laughs> it's so hard to describe, but huh. they look they look really zany. And so that's why I love them. Jay said that they scared her. <laughs> but they're these, I'm holding it in my hand right now. They have hard little feet. And the box that they came in looks old fashioned. So I'm wondering if it's something from the 60s, maybe. I don't know how to pronounce this word. Maybe, Matt, you can help me. It's C-H-E-N-I-L-L-E. Chanel? Chanel? Oh, I don't know. Is, wait, is, is that the name of the brand? Oh, no. That's like the the type of um, material that's used for these little chicks. But I think some people will know what I'm talking about. They have these little hard noses. And then there are these soft, almost like pipe cleanery um consistency of their little bodies and they have these little black eyes they're really i think they're really cute people might think they're a little creepy oh you'll see the photos but they're these little uh, oh okay they're, they're these figurine. fluffy yellow chicks yes with hard orange feet and yes. they're made out of chenille yes <laughs> okay i got it yeah okay. and, you, and they're really they're tiny yes and, and she plops them on that cupcake Yes. <laughs> Understood. Okay. I don't know why I made it so difficult, but that's that's it. And so you put the little chick on top of the cupcake, and then she has these pipe cleaners that she makes as a... I, I don't know why describing things are so difficult for me. Uh, what's that thing where people get married underneath? Where the, um, it's in the people's backyards. <laughs> it um, curves. A, a, a gazebo? Not a gazebo, but like a tiny, <laughs> like a half of a gazebo. You know what I mean? Like, um, the two people can stand in. It's it's curved. It's vertical. Let's pretend that you have a pipe cleaner and you put one end of the pipe cleaner on one side of the cupcake. Then you put the other, put the other end in the other side. So it's like almost like you could pick the cupcake up with your pipe cleaner do you see what i'm saying it's curved one end on one the other side of the end it's <laughs> the worst description i'm having the, the hardest time understanding what you're talking about but is this supposed to be some sort of basket yeah okay yes that would, that would be okay yes That's okay exactly so what it looks okay, like. okay so let's back up we have a chenille chick on it oh and we God. have a pipe cleaner that's used to create the handle of a basket yes so that the cupcake looks like a basket yes and then <laughs> where did we go when we were like why were people getting married underneath this basket handle well i guess i was just trying to like describe the shape of it you know like how uh, never mind it's just too much then you have the sanding sh sugar which is the green sparkly sugar and that will be your grass. So you sprinkle it on top of the white, the white frosting. And then here's my, my other fatal mistake. I was texting my mom. I'm like, oh, she's going to be so proud of making little peep cupcakes. And she's like, well, where's the jelly beans? Oh, well, you know what? Because she's an expert, she's a, she's a critic. Yes, putting the jelly beans on the grass. Well, she's like, why but are you doing my job? Yes, <laughs> pretty much. 
I, th- I think the, the little peep, uh, are, or the, they're always so cute, especially if you have kids. You can keep the peep. You can keep the peep. You can keep, keep the, the, the chick. The, yeah. Did you know you can buy 36 of those for $8? Well, I, let's see how many I have in my pack. 60. Oh, my goodness. Well, Matt, here's also the thing. I have <laughs> You're going to have those for the rest of your life. I don't know. I've been going through this phase where I'm accidentally buying things in bulk, like accidentally. Because, oh, the, the frosting I wanted to mention, I tried some new frosting called Miss Jones. It's uh, made with coconut oil, and I believe it's a vegan hmm. frosting, well, frosting. But anyways, so I was prepping for this, and I accidentally bought three tubs of the frosting. So if anyone needs frosting, hit me up. I'll send it in the mail because I'm not going to be using it. Or if you need a uh, color for a little baby chick. That's true. I also bought 12 ketchups, big bottles by accident. I don't even use ketchup, but I, ha- I eat those little um, Gardein <laughs> chicken nuggets. And I try to buy one bottle. I end up buying 12. So I'm now in the situation where I have tons of frosting and tons of ketchup. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that out there. That's my peep cupcake It'll look better when I show the photo. So keep in. Keep what a an journey! But I that. think I can finally visualize it. That's very cute. Yeah, it's, it's super a way cute. to make a cupcake very Eastery. You put a little chick on it, and you make a Easter basket with a pipe cleaner. Yep, and put some sand. What is the sugar. flavor of the cupcake again? I chose vanilla. You can do whatever you want. Okay. I think yeah, as long as you have the white frosting, because that makes the the green sugar pop and the jelly beans go so, wild. Yeah, go wild. Oh my goodness! I we bought some. Um, we bought some sweet tart jelly beans that are amazing. It's incredible. Really? If you have the chance, try a sweet tart jelly bean. That's all I'm I have to really say. I'm a really big jelly bean fan, but if, you know, you're selling them, I'll, I'll buy them. <laughs> all right. Before we move into our Hallmark movie discussion, I do want to share one other Easter tradition that my family does. I'll keep it brief, but um, as Polish folk, um, <laughs> I was raised Roman Catholic, and so every Easter weekend so this would this would happen on holy saturday our family would go get our easter baskets blessed and i'm not talking about the one you give to your kid i'm talking about like what you would eat on easter sunday in the case of my family there there were families that they would come in with these gigantic baskets and it's like oh you're gonna bless the entire every food you're gonna eat (laughs) wow that would take a lot of time yeah or like you know clearly it was like a lunch situation most people would bring in a curated basket um and we were included in that group i think my favorite thing about it is (laughs) eating the food but also just the the process so here's how a polish person would build their basket to get blessed in mass so they would take a, usually, you know, everyone's judging you in church. So you want to take, first of all, the most, the, the prettiest basket you own or can buy. None of that cheap multicolored stuff, like a nice wicker basket. Okay. It's going to look classy. And you have some in your, you know, linen closet, some nice crisp linens. You will line your basket with mm-hmm. that. Um, and you also have an extra one to cover it with. You will tie a bow around the, the, the handle because you're not a barbarian, okay? Your, your basket's going to look nice and pretty. And inside of it, you place food. In our case, it would be um, breakfast food. So, and, and usually there's a formula to this, but like um, 
you know, oftentimes you will see in these baskets and I'll just, I'll just be specific for our basket. We would put in rye bread, boiled eggs, Polish sausage, and uh, butter. And the butter would always be shaped like a lamb. We get this from the Polish deli. Oh, cute. <laughs> Everything's lamb shaped in my family. The cake on, on Easter Sunday would be lamb, ca- uh, lamb shaped. The butter would be lamb shaped. Okay. Lamb family. <laughs> Mariah Carey has nothing on us. Um, she calls her fans lambs. Uh, that, that was a Mariah Carey joke. I thought, I thought you're, I know she has like that whole butterfly thing. I was like, is he confusing the butterflies? She, the she's got lambs and butterflies going. Okay. okay. Got it. <laughs> Didn't know that. Basically every delicious brown and white food you can put in this basket. My favorite thing though, is we'd always include horseradish. And that would be our breakfast on the Easter Sunday. And it, it is delicious. Now, now I use uh, a vegan kielbasa when I, I don't get the basket blessed anymore. That, that portion is gone, but it is kind of fun. Just everyone holding out their baskets in the pews while the priest comes by and just yeah. like, splashes water on it. That's why you cover the basket. So the stuff inside doesn't get wet. Oh, that's okay. I was curious as to why you would put the linen on top of the basket. Yeah. That makes sense. I was also imagining the, the priest also just going to each individual basket but he just goes through the aisles and just, he's tossing water. He's, he's like, yeah, he's doing have, his blessing thing. He's dipping it in and tossing, tossing okay. the holy water. I was out imagining. I, okay, here's the thing. I misinterpreted it. I thought he was literally every single little food in the basket. It's like that is a lot of time to go through. No, each of- oh no, 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 no. There's okay. like you know, there's the yeah, saying a prayer, throwing you know, splashing it, going through the pews. Okay, back got and it. Forth. I think it's such a special tradition, though. It's so. I, I I would just do it for the fun to see everyone's baskets and to bring my own little basket of treats. Yeah, sometimes I'd sneak in like a little East, a chocolate bunny that maybe was going to be for me. But typically it was really That's just cute. like, you know, the actual breakfast food. And then it was really exciting to anticipate those flavors every Easter Sunday. Mm. So we get up and, you know, I'd have... That's what Polish cuisine is. It's brown and white and yellow food. <laughs> Perfect for Easter. The What's yeah, a vegetable? A uh, cabbage, maybe. Um I know that's that's reductionist. I'm sure uh, poll people will be listening. Like that's not that's not the whole cuisine of our people, but in we Chicago it is. It. <laughs> um. <laughs> that sounds lovely. I had no idea when I saw this on the show notes. Like basket blessing. It's like well, maybe he's trying some, you know, going off our spring equinox. Or like well, maybe he's doing some <laughs> witchcraft or something. But no, this is a, a lovely tradition. And typically when you, when you would go to these things, there'd be like an Easter egg hunt at, after the basket blessing. So we'd go like out to the church grounds and do that and stuff like that. Um, nowadays, though, of course, I just, you know, we'll have for breakfast some toasted rye bread, um, you know, vegan pole sausage, horseradish, and boiled eggs. And it's just tastes like yeah. home. It tastes like uh, family. And I, I love this tradition. So I don't know. It's not really a thing that people would want to do if, if you're not already, like, doing this sort of thing. But I just wanted to share it as like kind of like a funny... Um, unique sort of um, Easter tradition from a, a, a group of people um, known as my family. <laughs> I think it's really sweet. And I, I've never heard of this. And it's nice to learn about new traditions. And it's it's so cozy to bring your little basket of food that you're going to later eat in the morning and that you also eat the same things each year. I like that consistency. That's what makes holidays so special is like, obviously the tradition doing thing, doing the same thing over and over and finding comfort in that. It's really nice. 
Well, speaking of doing things over and over, we are back watching another Hallmark movie. <laughs> Lord. Which is to say the same Hallmark movie. Um, this time it's called Easter Under Wraps. I was actually super excited about this because Jillian found this, and I don't know how I missed it last year. Yeah, I don't know how we missed it. And by last year, I mean two years ago. What is time? I think this might have been the first, in fact, I believe it is, the first official Easter Hallmark movie. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. They have their spring series of films, but this one is like explicitly Easter. And so, okay, so what is this this particular romantic comedy about? In this Hallmark movie, we are introduced to Aaron Cavendish, who is the daughter of, um, I don't know his name, but he's Old Man Cavendish. Let's call him that. He owns Cavendish Chocolates, and they are known for their handcrafted classic chocolates. And so even when we first are introduced to the store, um, it has these beautiful Easter basket displays and... Easter bunnies and Easter uh, chocolate Easter eggs. Anyway, so they're old fashioned. And across the street, of course, we have the up and coming, um, I forget what it's called, I think like Chalk Mart or something. <laughs> like of it's course. like the modern chocolatier um, that's giving them a run for their money. They're noticing their sales are down and they're losing customers to these uh, modern chocolatiers. And so Aaron who is working in marketing in her family business, which, uh, first of all, let me just say how amazing it is that the family business is chocolates. It's just incredible. Yeah, yeah that, that was the, I mean, that's cozy in itself. And she initially proposed the idea to her dad, who's like the CEO, you know, to do like an undercover boss situation. He's like, actually, why don't you do it? And so she does. She becomes Veronica. <laughs> and Veronica goes undercover at the Cavendish Chocolate Factory where she meets Brian, who is the head chocolatier and has new ideas about things that the company can do, but they keep getting rejected at the corporate level, and he's very frustrated. And amidst this backdrop, there's been all this automation introduced, which may be, question mark, why the chocolates aren't doing so hot in sales. So Aaron's there to investigate. I mean, Veronica, excuse me. And, you know, she might find more than just efficiency at this factory. Let's just put it that way. So that's the plot of Easter Under Wraps. Well said. <laughs> Jillian, how did you feel about this movie? Did you find it was cozy? Did you enjoy it as a an Easter Hallmark romp? You know, surprisingly, I did enjoy it, I think, just because it's such a departure from the Christmas Hallmark movies that we're used to. Uh, you know, all the things that pe- usually draw people to the Christmas movies, all the decorations and um, just the the sentiments and the vibes going on can after you've seen a thousand of them that's yeah. extreme i'm not alonzo but you know when you've seen a ton of them you kind of you don't they're not special anymore so the whole thing about with the easter under wraps that i really enjoyed was that all those easter decorations so the first opening shots are the making the delicious chocolate easter treats and there's just easter everywhere so many pastels bright colors cute decorations and that's why it felt so new and different and i i went in excited because it wasn't something i had seen before from hallmark like you said it's the first i think easter movie that we've ever watched i don't know if you felt similarly but i loved the sets uh, you're on the money i felt like this they did a really good job of 
making mm-hmm. me feel like I was in the Easter season, specifically centered yeah. on that holiday. I think the approach of really focusing it through chocolate was a great idea. Like you're looking at Easter. Easter is a very religious holiday. So looking at it, if you're trying to approach it in like a secular way, I think their decision to center it in chocolate bunnies and eggs, very clever. And I think you get the feeling of the holiday without, um, while staying secular, not going religious with it. Yeah. And the attention to detail was, I thought, really phenomenal. Just from even the, one of the, bosses that veronica meets has a beautiful pastel green mug on her desk like even those little details that you might not immediately catch you know the uh, the B- b&b owner was always wearing yellow sweaters and just looking at all that beautiful t- chocolate because the chocolatier the person the love interest who's played by brendan penny who we saw in valentine in the vineyard so he's a familiar yeah. face um you know he's all about handcrafting chocolate and all the finer details and i've just loved seeing that come come to life and all the creativity in the chocolate designs which i thought were well thought out for for hallmark by hallmark standards you know that attention to care is usually not followed through yeah you know it's interesting because like i talk about this a lot in anyone who's read about my analysis of hallmark's fall harvest movies right what they do really well is put you in that setting. I mean, Hallmark movies are not so much, um, they aren't really, they don't really have content per se in terms of like a story <laughs> that's no. particularly compelling or characters you really care about. Usually that sometimes they surprise you. What they do very well when they're working well is provide you with really comforting scenery and, um, that can really put you in a specific time and place. And that's where I think they become cozy. And so I think this one does that really well. And so far as it makes you feel like you are in Easter, you can have the tastes of Easter, the sights of it. There are these, everything's a really soft pastel color um, in terms of the costuming and the scenery. Even the makeup. And the, Yeah. And, you know, the chocolates are good. I mean, I honestly wanted some chocolate watching it because mm-hmm. they're, I mean, they're always eating it. <laughs> Um, and they actually do a really good job of filming it because, you know, sometimes if you're not careful, chocolate could look nasty. So, mm-hmm. um, they do actually a really good job of, of filming the chocolate being made and decorated. And they also do a really clever thing of just making sure they're doing holiday themed activities that also place you in mm-hmm. that space. So they're doing egg decorating and there's an Easter parade. And so there's a lot of thought put into like, let's really make this feel like a, uh, an Easter film. And I will say too, it, normally when I'm watching a Hallmark movie, I'm watching it live or on the Hallmark channel where there are a million um, commercial interruptions. It was interesting watching this because I, I actually, oh, I bought it. I own Easter Under Wraps now. Watching a Hallmark movie without commercials was a whole new experience for me. And it did kind of make me think about it because like, there was more continuity and a flow to it. There were some choppy edits that were clearly meant for commercial, but most of it, I would say actually was way more interesting and you kind of almost get this um, feeling like, and my attention, I guess what I'm trying to say is that my attention was maintained way more than it typically is just by virtue of the fact that I wasn't being interrupted by commercials. Yeah. And you get this feeling watching it without those, those breaks 
what the editors and the filmmakers experienced when they made the movie, which you almost never get watching it on the channel. And so these movies are actually quite a bit better, I think, when you don't have that interruption. Um, they are at least way more coherent feeling. Uh, so that was an interesting experience. I, I, I want to give the, the filmmakers a bit more credit because it made me realize like how much of an uphill battle that they're fighting against when their whole medium is determined by accommodating for all of these interruptions to their movie. Yeah. I think also my attention was grabbed simply like we had mentioned the sights and sounds. It's just something about it was a breath of fresh and it made me overlook the off the rails unhinged center of the plot, which is that, you know, Aaron is going undercover to be Veronica, which she could easily have, been you know sent in a mole you know and have the mole report back it didn't really have to be her and also just the fact that no one catches on to her when she's so obviously yeah erin <laughs> because they they make it seem like it's a small family company and everyone knows her dad and who the owner is and so if that's the case and why don't they recognize her i actually really enjoyed there were a couple scenes where like her photos are in places around the the factory and she has to like skirt around them yeah. It, there was also some weirdness with um, the fact that she's obviously part of this Cavendish chocolate family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels like she's moving through like the museum that they have as if she's in yes, it for like the, the first, first time. time ever. Yes, and it's that like, blew my mind. You're in the museum. Like your photo is there on the yes, wall. So why are you acting like you've, you're like, wow, this is actually pretty good, isn't it? Like, yeah, I'm... you should know this already because you're all over this place. Yeah. <laughs> but, I get, you know, I, I think... Brendan Penny, I mentioned him earlier. I, I really do enjoy him. For some reason, he's not as wooden as the other actors seem to be. And yeah. I think he played he played a little bit too, leaned in a little too hard into being the chocolatier at Oh, times. my goodness. This man uh, eats, breathes, and sleeps chocolate. Yeah, he's and, just all about that chocolate. And just, like, can't, you know, can't Stop talking live about without it, it. eating and, it. Yeah, yeah, he has his daughter making chocolates. It's like, it just con- He talks more about chocolate than his dead wife. Yeah, well, of course, you know. Can't can't have a homework without a, you know, dead wife, and then of course <laughs> the, the, the awkward child, and and I just such an awkward time to have a, the six to eight, ten or whatever. This age one was range. a little bit better. She was not as creepy as other ones. There, really? I would say like I, I I I will go out on a limb and defend this one. I think there were awkward moments where you could tell that she was being coached into certain mm-hmm. reactions. I will agree with you, but I think by and large they at least wrote her in mostly an age appropriate way. Yeah, okay, I don't know. Well, agree to disagree. I agree to disagree. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he was so so into chocolate, and I had this moment where it just clicked for me. I don't know why I haven't realized about the Hallmark movies before, but every employee is going above and beyond to make the big guy's company better. Yeah. Why? You're you're not getting paid for this, like, and. You, that, that Brendan's character could have easily made his own chocolate company and made his own beautiful Easter eggs. You don't have to help this old grump up at the top, you know? And and, um, and his daughter that gets the job. I mean... Who's, and she's so shocked. You know, know she's the yeah, daughter. Well, she, <laughs> and, you, and it's like, yeah, you're the head of marketing and you've only been out of business school for like, I think she said like a year or something. I don't know. I, maybe I'm losing a timeline here, but like, you know, there's nepotism happening. Of course. Yeah, it, it, you're right. I mean, there is, there's a capitalist fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if, if the cozy podcast is going to unpack that. 
No, no, but we we're gonna, won't. We're gonna, but we're gonna mention it for our listeners to consider for themselves. Just to consider <laughs> something, you know. Like I had this, like, yeah, really moment where like I was railing against. I was like, why is that chocolatier trying to make the company better? But neither here nor there. The beautiful egg he makes to win over the the owner to sway him from going to automation. I thought that egg was beautiful. It's this bigger chocolate egg, and inside is this gorgeous little white chocolate butterfly and inside there's sparkles and i loved it that was beautiful yeah it, it is so beautiful it almost feels sacrilegious to eat and mm-hmm. there's even like an employee that like chomps on the butterfly and All i really I couldn't, I couldn't handle around. it i was like oh my god i've I that's know. my issue with any anytime anyone gives me like a really pretty chocolate i have a hard time because i'm like i don't want to eat this because i feel like i'm like chewing on a statue or something it doesn't feel right but i do like those chocolates that trend where you take the hammer and you smash it. Oh it, yeah. Yeah. That I, I, I never have one, but I really want it. I want this chocolate box where I can just take my little hammer. Easter candy is the top of the top for me personally. I, and I think for a lot of people, it's a really good season for candy. And I think this movie was right to lean into it. It felt mm-hmm. very Easter. I enjoyed yep. watching it and the performances were fine. The plot was okay. <laughs> yeah. I and it was actually kind of just madcap enough. And I think I just like, in, it was so um, invested in its setting of that factory and did mm-hmm. such a good job of at least like, you know, not a lot of Hallmark movies are set in a factory. Um, it felt different enough to really hold my attention. And more importantly, like we're saying, just really felt like Easter. And so if you are looking for kind of a light, fluffy, Hallmark style movie. I mean, I, you know, as far as these go, I would recommend Easter Under Wraps. Yeah. Thumbs up. I, I was pleasantly surprised, Same, but maybe yeah. it's just because it's not the Christmas movies we've been watching, but I, I loved it. Our bellies are full with Hallmark chocolate candy. <laughs> Let's um, enjoy some soothing sounds while we digest our movie. I'll start with my choice because it's Easter focused. I was initially going to look for new music, but then I was like, let's just lean in to Easter music. And so the first thought I had was that when I'm making my lamb cake, I will always have a certain playlist playing. It's called my lamb cake mix. And I was thinking like, what song do I really get stuck in my head around this season? That really feels like Easter to me. And for me, that song is Easter parade which was written and published by Irving Berlin in 1933. <laughs> so this is only, not only not a new song, it is an incredibly old song. And it's been re-recorded so many times. There's a famous version by Bing Crosby. It was adapted into a movie oh. uh, starring Judy Garland and Fred Astaire. I actually, you know, for this, when I was really going into the song, because the one on my playlist is some bogus kids bop version and even the fact that here's a testament to the song that it shines through even with that inferior version of it and becomes kind of an earworm i listened to a whole bunch of the more notable uh covers of the song and listen i'm not i I don't care if this gets my gay card revoked or something that i'm not going to pick the judy garland version or whatever (laughs) but i found that the judy garland Fred Astaire and the other version, the Bing Crosby one that got a lot of like attention when I was looking at them. They're almost, they're too slow for me. It's it's almost like this is an Easter parade. It's not a funeral. Pick up the pace. Okay. (laughs) So for my money, 
Guy Lombardo's 1947 <laughs> version of Easter Parade is the one that really uh, puts a pep in my step or puts Aww. a peep in my steep, as oh, I like that. Uh, Jillian might say. So let's listen to Guy Lombardo's Easter Parade. In your Easter bonnet With all the frills upon it You'll be the grandest lady in the Easter Parade. I just love that we're writing a sonnet about Easter bonnets. It is a, you know, it really is a love poem to Easter bonnets. <laughs> I, I like it. I, ne- I honestly never had heard it before. And it, yeah, it just, it's it's kind of, like I said, is a little stately and very... Um, it's old fashioned, you know, yeah, old it's, fashioned. It, it, it is, it is quite old, but I, I, I still, I just love the simplicity and yeah. I don't know. There's something about it that just like, it, it gets in your head and it's so simple and you can really easily memorize the lyrics. Who doesn't want to be the grandest lady in the Easter parade? And yeah, with your Easter bonnet, I mean, that's <laughs> such a privilege. Jillian, what is your soothing sound? Well, Matt chose the the Easter parade, and so I thought to myself, okay, I really have to find an Easter-centric song. So I tried to find songs that had the word bunny or rabbit in it, and I found this song, uh, Mr. Rabbit by Pete Seeger. He's a celebrated folk artist. He died in 2014, and the song is from 1998's Birds, Beasts, Bugs, and Fishes, parentheses, Little and Big. I thought it was a cute song. So it had a, had a rabbit in the title, and I said, why not? So, why not? Let's listen to Mr. Rabbit by Pete Seeger. Mr. Rabbit, Mr. Rabbit, your nose always twitches. Yes, don't you know it always itches? Every little soul's gonna shine, shine. Every little soul's gonna shine along. What a sweet little folk song. It's hypnotizing in its simplicity. Yeah, it is. Um, and it, it's it's so beautiful and sweet, but this is a weird thought when I was re-listening to it. I could also see it could be like in a True Detective episode when they're looking at the serial killer, like, you know, he's doing well, yeah, you could his- always do that sort of ironic, like, <laughs> so this sweet song is really evil. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, of I, course. Yeah. I could imagine in my head. But I thought, <laughs> I, I, I love the sound of his voice. It's so beautiful and... It, this is appropriate for kids and adults. Absolutely. Th- yeah, this is a really, I mean, it, the first thing that struck me, is like, oh, this is like a kid's song, but it's just like a really pure, um, innocent folk song. And I really love it for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has rabbit in the t- title. And so it has that. rabbit in the title. What more could you want? <laughs> well, time to turn down the tunes. We're headed into the cozy library. Jillian, what are we checking out this week? This week, we're checking out the Eli Marks Mystery Series by John Gaspard. Each novel is named after a well-known magic trick. The main character, Eli Marks, is a working magician who occasionally stumbles into solving crimes. So if you're into magic, it's a book for you. John is the author of the Eli Marks Mystery Series, as well as four other standalone novels, The Greyhound of the Baskervilles, A Christmas Carl, the Sword and Mr. Stone, <laughs> and the Ripperologist. I'm sorry. I still can't get over a Christmas Carl. I love that title. He also <laughs> writes the Como Lake Player Mystery Series under the pen name Bobby Raymond. 
In real life, John's not a magician, but he has directed six low-budget features that cost very little and made even less. That's no small trick. (laughs) (laughs) He's also written multiple books on the subject of low-budget filmmaking. Ironically, they've made more than the films. But John seems like a really funny. Yeah, cool this guy. is this is really great. Like I'm I'm into this, and I mean, you had me at Christmas Carl, and I'm sure this book will cast a spell on me. Yeah, so check out John's books, the Eli Marks Mystery Series, and to tell us if you like it, and re- you know, reach out. I'm sure that John would appreciate the feedback. We're also excited to announce via the Cozy Mystery Library that Kisses, Crimes, and Cozies, a cozy romance book fair is happening on April 11th at 12 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's Arizona time, so no daylight savings (laughs) there. Um, The book fair will include books by authors Zeta Alfaro, Duffy Brown, Catherine Coles, Glenn Ibish, M.L. Erdahl, David Gillespie, Joanne Ketter, and Astoria Wright. And I apologize if I mispronounced any of those names. Please forgive me. In addition to those authors, they're also going to have members of the Cozy Mystery community, bloggers, book editors. So... Join them for discussion, games, polls, and giveaways. They'll have gift cards to give away, signed paperbacks, advanced reader copies. Ooh, those, those, those uh, copies of books before they hit the shelves. Even free and discounted editing services and more. So whether you're an author, reader, blogger, or anyone who enjoys romantic cozy mysteries, you are sure to love this fair. Check it out. Again, that is the Kisses, Crimes, and Cozies Cozy Romance Book Fair on April 11th at 12 p.m. Mm. Mountain Standard Time. Can't wait. Thank you, Astoria, for sending us this, you know, this event. Astoria is the creator of the Cozy Mystery Library, and she had, I think she launched this, I believe, last month, and we attended a, a book fair of hers in October, and it's always a lot of fun. Yeah, that was and- a, a pleasure. It w- we met some really wonderful people there um, yeah. and really enjoyed our time. So I'm sure this will be just like that. Check it out. They do a good job of throwing a book fair. Yeah. Jillian, what is the candle we are sniffing this week? It's from Bath and Body Works. And I usually like to stay away from Bath and Body Works. They're always so sugary and a little too much. But I enjoy this one. It's a three-wick candle with essential oils. It's called Let's Get Excited. And the scent is marshmallow fluff, which is perfect. Perfect, yes. Very Easter. And the description says, Every bunny loves the sweet and cozy Easter treat. And the candle comes to the top of the decorative lid. Now, here's where my critique comes in. <laughs> because the, the candle holder is beautiful or the, what's that, what do you call it? The actual candle itself, the container, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, has beautiful chicks and these really cute little chicks and it's so sweet, all in yellow. And then on the lid, it has bunny whiskers. Mm. Now, why not go keep with the chick theme? That's my only complaint. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's almost like they didn't want to go the extra mile of having like, you know, if you had bunnies on one can and chicks on the other, that they would have their own respective lids. Yeah, that's that's my one complaint. I, I thought this would be too... <laughs> I thought this would be Devastating. Too Devastating. <laughs> I thought it was going to be too sweet, but it smells like you're baking a delicious vanilla cake and since it's a three wicker the scent you know wafts through the entire room i was pleasantly surprised full wick for me it's hard to find an easter themed candle surprisingly but this does the job yeah i mean i'm also wary of 
Bath and Body Works candles, but you know what? You have to give them credit where it's due. They really can churn out candles for holidays. So mm-hmm. it sounds like this is no exception. Yep. I wake up for me. Before we go, we have some shout outs. First of all, we are so grateful for a new review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, from Cormia1021. They said, absolutely love this show. I'm a nighttime custodian and I love listening to the soothing podcast while vacuuming. So glad I found them. This is such a sweet review. It really touched our hearts. It's so heartwarming to know that our listeners are enjoying the show and like even the context to know when you're listening to us like helps paint a picture. Mm-hmm. And it's just so, um, I don't know, it just warms our heart and it makes us feel extra special to know that you're giving us, uh, I don't know, time and space in your life and, and during these moments and you know, when you're cleaning or driving that you think to play this podcast and, um, add a little coziness to your day. I mean, we hope we are doing that for you. And, uh, we do, we really do appreciate this, this listener for taking the time to review our show. And we encourage you all, if you do have a moment of your day to hop over to Apple podcasts and leave a review, um, let us know how we're doing. You can also find us on Facebook. We are at all things, cozy podcast, same handle on Instagram. We have a Facebook group with, with a great community that you should absolutely join. Maybe you might be able to find that Cadbury egg if Jillian hasn't already discovered it. And also, check out our Patreon. If, you're, if you really want to support the show, go a little bit above and beyond. Patreon is a way that you can really make sure the, the lights are on at Cozy HQ, that we have candles to burn, and Hallmark movies in our Amazon accounts to watch and discuss. Um, it, you know, it really keeps things going and we really, really appreciate our patrons for keeping things moving and, and, uh, keeping us cozy here ourselves. And thank you to Emily K for becoming a new patron. Yes. Thank you, Emily. Welcome to the, uh, cozy commandos. I keep trying to make this happen. No, cozy one commandos. I know it's, 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 people aren't ready for like the, they're not ready. The military coup of coziness that I am apparently wanting to inflict on the world. Um, I don't know. It always makes you see people in their underwear. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not that's no good. Or is it? Or is it great? Matt. We'll let you decide. Uh, one thing before we go, we want to mention that we are going on a spring break ourselves. We're going to take an extra week off, enjoy the spring season, but we will be back soon enough um, in your ears with more coziness. Our next episode will air on April 11th. So stay tuned. We'll have a new episode then. Until next time, stay, stay cozy. cozy.